This is the Paul Goff Audio Experience, business lessons for physical therapists. My name is Paul Goff, former professional soccer physical therapist turned successful business owner and best-selling author from the UK. Each week, we answer your questions and bring you an inspiring story or person from the global physical therapy community. This show is dedicated to sharing with you everything you need to know to become hugely successful in private practice. Thanks for joining me today. Now let the class begin. All right, so let's do another episode of the CEO uh, series. If you are new to Planet Paul, you're new to the audio experience, the uh, Paul Goff audio experience has many different uh, features, if you like, many different topics that we discuss uh, on this podcast, and we've uh, compartmentalized them, shall we say, to make it easy for you to find what you are uh, looking for. And the one we're going to talk about today is ultimately, what does it take to step back from uh, being involved in patient care and ultimately running a profitable, successful business that doesn't rely upon you as the revenue generator? Today's guest is Carrie Jose of um, New Hampshire, Portsmouth, New Hampshire. So got a lot to share with you. Uh, but first, a quick update. So we are now just a couple of days away from Nashville, which is exciting. Amy uh, has been with me for a few days here in the US office, um, and we've been working on our uh, social media strategy, if you like. I'll probably do a podcast actually on on that and ultimately how we, you know, we put it all together over the last five or six days that you're going to start to see the benefit from. So head over to Instagram at the Paul Goff. You'll see now daily videos. Uh, sometimes there'll be two or three. No pressure, Jake. No pressure on, on two or three videos? Yeah, okay, he thinks he can do it. We have a new producer. Uh, producer Jake um, is the guy that is uh, the uh, the brains, if you like, behind everything that's uh, coming out now on Instagram, on YouTube, on these daily podcasts. Um, and along with Amy has created me a perfect strategy to execute to get more uh, material in your hands. So turn me on, please, figuratively. Uh, turn me on on Instagram at the Paul Goff. And uh, <laughs> am I allowed to say? <laughs> <Am> I <laughs> my my whole office is just erupted. <laughs> I'm trying to do a show here. Hang on, I'm trying to do a show. Right, I'm not going back. I haven't got time to go back and redo this. <laughs> so turn me on, please. Just don't tell Natalie if you do. <laughs> Turn me on at the Paul Goff on Instagram at the Paul Goff <laughs> at the Paul Goff on Twitter as well. And if you want to turn me on there as well, I'm open to that as well. It's uh, I'm easy placed. <laughs> turn me up and turn me on Instagram and at the Paul Goff. Um, and make sure that you uh, subscribe to us on iTunes and wherever else. Where else? Where am I at these days? Tell me. iTunes. Where Spotify? What's that? <laughs> I get it. Okay, Spotify, what? SoundCloud, Google Podcast, Radio Public, Breaker, Stitcher, Podbean, and Anchor. So there you go. If you can't find me on any of them, you need to update your sat now for your GPS. We are everywhere right now, and um, you can listen to us pretty much anywhere you uh, want. So. That's what we've been up to. Amy's on her way back to the UK tonight. Let's check this out. Amy's on her way back to the UK. Cameron and Caitlin are off to Nashville tomorrow from Orlando. 
I don't even know how many people are flying out from England tomorrow to the US to get ready for our Nashville event this weekend. My mother flies in. This is this is this is Paul's life right now. Amy's gone to the airport. Paul's mother is flying in on the flight that Amy's flying back on. My best friend Mark flies direct to Nashville tomorrow to meet me for the weekend. The team and about 150 PT business owners will be in Nashville this weekend. And then my sister Claire flies out to the UK to uh, flies out to Orlando from the UK on Sunday. Uh, to hang out with us next week when I get back to Orlando. So that's pretty much what's going on right now. There's a lot of air travel uh, travel happening uh, to and from Orlando, to and from Nashville, um, which is all pretty cool. It's exciting stuff. So there's never a dull moment in uh, PG Media uh, HQ in Orlando or in the UK. So yeah, we're getting ready for Nashville this weekend. Excited to, to welcome uh, 150 people into the uh, to our world, if you like, into the uh, hotel. We're going to have a a great time. If you are following me on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, you'll see some of the cool stuff. So it would be worth checking out uh, and just making sure that you turn on all of the notifications and subscriptions to all of those things. You'll be able to get to watch all of the Facebook lives. Um, I know a lot of you listen to this podcast. You, you kind of listen you know, from afar and you turn me up and you turn me on now and various other things. Um, whether you're in the gym, whether you're in uh, or an airplane or whether you're on the train or whether you just kind of go for a walk through the park. Uh, we've got so much going on and I don't want you to miss out on that. It's so easy to think that this is just a podcast. This is lessons learned and lessons shared from a community of people that are now all over the world and we do get together for events and these things do happen and I think sometimes uh, people just don't really understand it when I say that we're putting on a big event and people like you come to these events and um, I don't want you to miss out on some of the stuff that we're doing. So uh, make sure you follow the, the activity all across social Instagram, I'll be almost daily on lives and just sharing backstage stuff that's happening. Producer Jake is taking a video camera, so he'll be producing uh, behind the scenes now of all of my events. So you'll get to see all of those come out on Instagram and YouTube and Facebook. So it is uh, it is worth following us. And uh, the most important thing that, that I want you to do that for is to ultimately know that this is going on. This is happening. Like this stuff is going on. People are coming to the events and we're getting together and we're putting in play a lot of the things that you know you're listening to this podcast you're listening to carrie in a minute you're listening to nick and you've heard from jake and you know going to hear from many many other people who are having stunning success you're listening to the effect on the podcast the cause is pretty much all of the things that we do at the events and the classes and the courses and i keep saying it don't just sit there don't be a passive kind of player in this uh, listening to podcasts is quite nice uh, but there is a lot of things happening that I'd love you to get involved in. And if you enjoy what we do and you think that we can help you, uh, don't sit there on the sidelines. Come and get involved in everything that we are doing. And a good place to start is just by at least checking out what we're doing on social media uh, this weekend in Nashville. And if you are coming to Nashville, cannot wait to see you. Uh, we're going to have a lot of fun. A uh, big party on Saturday night. We have the Mechanical Bull. We have uh, a lot of stuff planned for Saturday evening at the um at the after party uh on saturday night so as well as mike mccallowitz and uh talking a lot about hiring and coaching and marketing and sales and prices and all these things uh we're going to have a great time as well in a very very cool city uh, city arguably one of my favorites so anyway that's enough for me carrie carrie is coming up um fabulous fabulous lady fabulous business owner just love 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 carry to bits and everything that she's about um i always love business owners who have a great time building businesses and carrie is one of them that she goes through uh you know whatever she goes through whether it's up whether it's down 
um, she's equally as passionate about it and just takes it all in a stride that within um, now just a couple of years, Carrie has gone from solo practitioner with a full caseload to an owner of a business with six staff uh, that she is now leading. And in this interview, uh, Carrie's gonna talk to you about raising rates uh, four times in one year, the staff issues that she was hit with as she stepped back and out of treatment, how she hired her first physical therapist, and ultimately how she empowers and coaches uh, staff. I've had the privilege of working closely with Carrie uh, over the last couple of years, and I've got to watch that ascension uh, very, very closely, and, and it's been just amazing to, to kind of see that happen with, uh, with Carrie. She started with my PT Business Growth School program, joined my 4% Club Mastermind program, and was one of the first, uh, I think she was the second into the CEO program um, that we kicked off with this year. So um, turn this up, uh, enjoy this uh, episode of the podcast and listen into another stunning business owner who has made just incredible um, pathway, if you like, into creating a business that generates profit without having to be there every single day. Um, without further ado, let me uh, introduce you to Carrie Jose. Enjoy the show. Welcome to the show. Thanks. I'm happy to be here. Yeah, great to have you with us. Uh, so tell us about your business. Obviously, I know you very well and I've watched all of this play out over the last couple of years and it's been uh, exciting to watch the ups and the downs and the, you know, the highs and the lows that you've been through over the last probably, what, three years since we've been working together now? Yeah, it's been just a little over three. So three years. So tell us about your business. Tell us um, the, the structure of your business um, and the, the employees that you've got now and, and ultimately uh, how you got started. So presently, um, so we are completely cash pay. We don't, we're not in network with any insurance companies. We don't take any Medicare. We don't do any billing. So strictly cash pay. And we do physical therapy. And then we also offer Pilates services, which we do private Pilates and small group class classes. And uh, we do, we use the, the apparatus. So it's not just like Matt Pilates. Um, so that's my business now. And I have one full-time PT that I hired back in November. So she's been with me almost eight months and we're building her schedule still. She's currently at about 17 to 20 patients a week. The goal is to get her to 30. And I've got a full-time-ish Pilates instructor that works about um, 30 hours, 30 to 35. And she sees, you know, 20 privates a week and teaches about six or seven classes. Then we've got a part-time person who kind of fills in the gaps and does another five or so classes. So that's where we are right now with kind of practitioners, if you will. And then I've got um, one full-time admin. I'm about to hire a second full-time admin. I've actually had two full-time admins for a while, more than a year, but one of them left a few months back. So we've been hiring and I'm actually about to make a job offer tomorrow to someone. Um, so we'll have be back to two full-time admins. So that's where we're at now. Um, and then it's crazy to think that three years ago, it was just me <laughs> doing solo PD. So how did you get started? What, what, where did you come from? Because now you've got, um, you've got a lot going on now. How did you, how did you get started to, to get to this point today? So interestingly enough, I've actually done this twice in two different cities. So I actually used to live in Washington, D.C. It's not where I'm from, but I, I lived there for a while. And that's actually where I started my cash-based practice. And I knew nothing about it. I just kind of fell into it. I don't even know if you existed, <laughs> things like that. And that was probably like six or seven years ago. Yeah. And just kind of fell into it. And, 
you know, it was one of those things where I was probably in the same phase that you are right yeah. now, six or seven years ago, entrenched in crap and hassle with staff. Right, right, exactly. <laughs> Wondering what the hell I'd done and why I didn't just stay a solo practitioner and, and kind of take some money home and, and, you know, go home and watch TV on a night instead of worrying about who was going to show up for work the next day. Yes, yes, I know that feeling very well right now. <laughs> so, yeah, so I, I started that. I started in D.C. And then, um, you know, personal personal life things brought me back this way. I'm from this area. I, I met my husband. We kind of met at a wedding and one of us, we got together and one of us had to move. And shockingly, I, I decided I'd be the one to move because I wasn't really that into my cash practice yet. I'd only been doing about a year. I knew at that point I tasted that, you know, entrepreneurship. And I knew that that was something I wanted to con continue pursuing. I didn't quite know how or what it would be like, but in my mind, I just knew I needed to get somewhere that I knew I wanted to stay. And uh, DC wasn't a place that we saw us living long term. So I moved up here and started all over again. <laughs> That's actually when um, I started like looking into what this so-called business thing was all about. And um, again, I didn't know about you yet. And I had hired a coach. And then three years ago, kind of needed I, I, that first coach kind of got me to, to feeling confident about kind of the basic sort of solo stuff that you have to do just to kind of, God, just get yourself out there and, and sort of feel confident about doing this thing on your own. And then um, I met you about three years ago because I had this burning desire of not wanting to be solo anymore. Yeah. I didn't know, I had no idea how to be, even begin scaling. So that's when I took your business growth school. Uh, yeah, I remember the conversation well. It's funny <laughs> how um, so many of, of you know, the clients that, that I've got and are in our community now, I, I vividly remember, and, and I uh, did this interview with Jake Bannon recently, and I can honestly still tell you where I was and you know, the, 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 the room that you were in. I remember you were in a small little room. We were talking on Skype. I think your laptop might have been sat on top of the, the treatment bed or whatever at the time. But it was a small room, and it was like I'm, I'm – maxed out there's nowhere i can go i've got no space and to think that you've gone from that you know that, that tiny little space where there was no room to grow this business to now a much bigger premises and all these staff and just generally you know now you know going through what what is living the the life of if you like a, a real business owner is is phenomenal so it's um it has been a pleasure to watch you grow what i'm going to do you. is take you back to to that um that transition so the obvious question here and I, I know you've spoke about it to me i remember this as well being one of your limiting beliefs if you like so dc to portsmouth what what was going through your head there you know you're leaving a big city and you've you've got this cash-based practice going and people are paying you hand over fist in dc how did that uh feel when you got to portsmouth well i knew it was going to be fundamentally different and I mean, I don't know, maybe, maybe what I know now, I wouldn't maybe make that statement. But at the time I was like, okay, this is like a different world. It's not a big city. I'm going to have to, I, I lowered my rate significantly just thinking that was something I had to do. Yeah. Um, they're now way higher than what they were <laughs> ever in DC, but so um, give, it, give us some context. So in DC, what were you? So I was at um, like around 165 a session when I was living in DC and this was about seven years ago. And then yeah. I moved up here and dropped them down to 125 and I, I did the fatal, let's look around and see what everyone else is charging. And there were no physical therapists doing what I'm doing here. And so I just kind of took the best massage therapist and I think I added like 20%. And that was my rate. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, all right, this is good. And then, um, 
you know, that was kind of what was going through my head. And then I just, I actually, weirdly enough, kept traveling to DC once a month and saw my clients there on a weekend for about a year just to have some money and feel like I was doing something like, you know, have patience. And then I was just networking, networking. And, and I don't know, for a good year, I was regretting it though. Like, or not regretting it, but second guessing myself a lot. Cause I was just working my butt off and nothing was like, seemed like it was tractioning. And then, and then maybe not a full year, but a good seven, eight months. And then all of a sudden things just started to happen. <laughs> Love it. So context prices these days. Uh, 275 a session there we go 275 i love it so th- let's track this mindset so because i'm in dc i can charge slightly more so I'm, I'm in a big city i can charge a bit more money even though 165 by the way carrie is still not not great. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so then we go to portsmouth and think all right nobody in portsmouth is going to pay this money so what i'll do is i'll drop it to, to 125 and then all of a sudden a year or so later it goes from what 160 125 what did we get you up to that what's the first because we, you went the, through three or four big pay rises i went you? i think i went through four in one year um i did the i did a little bump to like 135 i did little ones and i think yeah. i went to 150 then the one that felt the biggest was to 195 for some reason because i was like oh my gosh i'm almost at 200 and then i think last year i jumped up to 220 and then um, I went to 275. 275 has been actually the hardest. That was, a, yep. that was, that's been, and, and also I did it at the same time I hired my PT. So, um, yeah, I just, it's not, it's never actually been me doing the 275. It's I mean, a little bit, but 220 was like all me when it was yeah. just me being the PT. And now I'm at 275 with trying to, with someone else training someone else who's a new grad also. So there's two schools of thought with the pricing is that when it's the business owner, you are very emotionally connected to the price, but most importantly, what you're actually connected to is the rejection that comes if they say no. And and what that means is um, it's often easier for your staff to take money off people than it is for the business owner because they don't take any rejection to the prices because the person, i.e. the PT or the front desk person, when they say the rate and the physio or the patient might say, no, sorry, the patient says, no, so Jenna on your front desk will say, hey, it's 275. And the patient says, oh, that's too much. Jenna goes, well, you know, screw this. This wasn't my fault. Like Carrie started this whole thing. So, so she doesn't have the rejection issue, if you like, to, to, the, to the price. And nor does the PT. Whereas what often happens to the business owner is we take that rejection to the price very, very personally because we almost feel as though they're attacking us and everything that we think that we're worth. Does that make sense? Yeah, I, definitely. Because that's why I kept going up just little baby steps because I was definitely nervous to make a big 50 or $75 jump all at once. Um, so yeah, I just kind of kept doing it little by little by little. And um, it's funny. I have patients that still come and see me. Embarrassingly enough, I my rate was 125 when I moved up here, but I also charged a separate rate for people to come and see me to just do Pilates. And I only charge $90. So I, I have clients that are still coming to see me that paid me $90 that have, are now paying $275 wow. or 110 for Pilates now. So, yeah. Good. What is, um, you've had a lot going on in the last couple of years. This is going to be a very fun interview. I'm sure that we'll get into some good staffing challenges and, and a few things that you've learned. Um, but before we do, in, in the last few years, what are, what are the successes that you've had? Could be profit. Um, it could be hiring, it could be scale, it could be reducing in, in your hours. Tell me some good things that have been going on in your business recently. So um, 
I mean, I'd say over the years, the thing I'm kind of most proud of is, is, is how quickly I was able to scale, especially yeah. given the fact that I didn't, I remember when we first spoke or when I was first starting to think about this, yeah. I didn't even think I could do this by myself. I just yeah. thought I had to have a business partner. Like I didn't think I could do it. I didn't think it was possible. So that is one thing that I'm really proud of. It brings stress too, well, though, because it was pretty fast. Yeah. <laughs> Let's talk about that and we'll come back to that because yeah. the more that you say that, it's interesting how many people do start a business with a business partner that ultimately they, they didn't necessarily want to do it with that business partner, but they just didn't have the confidence to do it on their own. What, what, why did you think that way? I, I don't know. I think I thought, I didn't think that I, I don't, I think, I don't think I thought I could sustain because in my mind, you know, all I knew was me being solo PT. That's all I really knew. I had yeah. no idea how to like, I don't like knowing what I know now about running a business. I didn't know any of that at the time. So I, I just, all I knew was what I knew. And I just thought, oh, how am I going to get enough clients, referrals? And I just, just, I just thought maybe I need to partner up with someone to help me do all that other business stuff that I didn't know about yet, you know? Um, and I was looking, I remember I was looking at spaces with, a, a, like a naturopathic doctor at the time when I started your course. And then I think it was like right after module one, I was like, Oh, I don't know if I should be doing this with somebody. When I started to really think about some of the things that you needed to have both in terms of mindset and even just like branding and systems, I was like, I don't know if I can do this with somebody else or I at least, I at least need to figure it out myself first before I even think about bringing a business partner into what I now consider like my baby, you know? Yeah. Yeah. But yeah, I just, I think it was more financial was probably the biggest thing. I just didn't think I could do it. And I, you know, that was kind of all it was, it, it wasn't even a thought that I could do it by myself. So. Yeah. Interesting. So successes, yeah. tell us some, some of the things you're most proud of. So definitely scaling. Um, I am proud that I mean, God, I remember the feeling of hiring my first employee, like, wow, I've got somebody that works for me now. That was pretty cool. Now I've got uh, four, soon to be five. Um, hiring my first PT, that was something I, I wasn't sure it was going to happen. Um, so that was pretty cool. And then I'd say between years, uh, between years like two and three, I and it was, again, yeah, bringing on staff and then really developing my Pilates program. I kind of went a little sideways first and did that before I brought a PT. And um, I mean, my revenue just, I mean, really, really like increased big time, probably like 30, 40, I mean, three, three, 400%, you know, yeah. increase in revenue. So yeah, those are all the things I'd say I'm proud of. And then just as far, and then like in, you know, personally, just confidence, you know, more and more every day and like I couldn't even imagine myself doing anything else at this point in my life and you know and it's just all the things I've learned and and just how confident I am about making decisions like um you know I mean hiring a PT and and having you know paying their salary was huge like I just I can't even believe still I'm like I can't even paying this employee this much money <laughs> I'm doing okay <laughs> so it's just it's a lot and um I just have confidence in me and I making decisions and they're not reckless. It's not like, Oh, I'm confident. I'm just going to make this decision. I, yeah. I have, you know, solid, I know what to look for. I know what to do. I know how to prepare myself. And then I just, I know, I, I know to just go and do it. Yeah. You know, always go back if I need to. Yeah. It's, it's, um, it's amazing. And I've watched you, like I've said a few times, I've watched you grow and, it, and it's you know, one of the best things about my job is I get to watch not only the, the financial success, if you like, that people have, but most importantly, 
as always, it is for me the personal success that you get to watch people. And it's nearly always that you get to see the likes of yourself grow in so much confidence that you take that with you wherever you go, whether it's, you know, in life or challenges or, you know, stuff that's going on in, in your home life. You, you take that confidence from, you know, these massive decisions that you're making as a business owner into your home life that makes that more enjoyable and more confident. And all of a sudden, all of these kind of things that are going on around you that used to get the better of you. Now you just oh, piss off. Like it's such a trivial thing that you're, you're dealing with at home or somebody wants something off you or whatever. And, and you've just gone through the massive decision to hire a 75 grand a year PT and give up six grand a month and, you know, all the hassle and stuff that that ultimately brings with you. So it's been cool to watch you do that. I want yeah. to talk about that. I want to talk about ultimately your uh, PT, the hiring of the PT, because I've seen this from from the inside, and I think this is going to be a great story as to how we ultimately got you to the point of right. We made a decision that the PT was the person that you were going to next hire. Let's talk about the lag between us making that decision and ultimately getting that PT. Let's talk through that because I think it'll be a great story for the person who is thinking about hiring another PT or even just getting their first on board what you went through from making the initial decision to actually having them on your, on your books, if you like. Yeah, I made the decision a little over a year ago and uh, actually more than that. How did you know? So how did you know that, 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 you know, you made the decision, but what, what brought you to that conclusion? Cause I know that that's what a lot of people struggle with and wrestle with. I, I just don't know when I'm, when I'm going to be ready. Yeah. I mean, I think it was, well, actually, interestingly enough, I think I, I had wanted it for a while and then I knew it wasn't the right time and um, or maybe I, it wasn't the right time. So I, I thought I was going to hire a PT first and then I learned what I know and I went, I hired admins and things like that. But then you know, I was full and there was just, there was just no way I was going to be able to grow this anymore when I was busy. I mean, gosh, I can't even believe how I even grew it then being you know, 25, 30 hours a week, just treating, yeah. not to mention all like the other stuff you got to do like marketing and things like that. I mean, now I'm, I'm, I'm doing that like full time. I don't even know how I even did it. So it's just crazy. So I just knew I couldn't grow and really scale anymore and do the marketing things that really needed to happen for me with being in the treatment room so much. And um, so it was just, it was just time to do it. And then and then I thought, okay, I'm going to get a PT. I was ready. So I'm thinking, all right, four weeks, what? five weeks, so six was this? weeks. <laughs> this let, let was... Give, yeah, give us a timeline, remember? <laughs> I think it was last April, last okay. March. March into April was when I, I like pulled the trigger. I put the ad out. It was like, all right, here I go. I'm doing this. And I was yeah. so excited. I got all these. Remember, I got all these applications. Like, oh my gosh, this is awesome. This is, this is going to be great. And I think I made like five or six offers. They all said no. I was like, oh, and then I, then I kind of was like out. And then, and then it like, there was like nothing crickets for a few months. And then I kept kind of trying different things and then I'd kind of get them trickling in. And finally I, I got the right candidate that was looking for what I was kind of looking for this model and want and believed in me and believed in the vision and wasn't just kind of looking for any job. Yeah. And I finally found her in November, but it took like eight months for me to find. What was the big lesson? Uh, the big lesson was, um, well, now, like definitely you have to, now moving forward, you've got to always be hiring because yeah. you need to just have that interest. And now actually I get PTs calling me fairly often 
looking for jobs, which is so funny. And I remember you told me that like, once you get that first one, the next one's going to be easier because they're just, it's, you're more established and things like that. But people do call me now and, um, and just patience and sticking to the plan, you know, for sure. Like not, it was many times where I kind of wanted to give up or, and maybe do something else. And I, you know, you helped me stick to the plan and I'm glad I did. Cause I definitely, I got her and she's doing great. So. Yeah. There's, there's two things I remember, um, you know, as we were, we're going through that whole situation and it was that the first one is to understand, and this is for the person listening who's thinking of hiring is that you're hiring in a window you desperately want them within that three to four week period. And, and it doesn't always turn out like that. You've got such a limited pool of people that you're pulling from because they're licensed and, you know, they, unless they move in state or they're drastically unhappy, it's only once or twice a year that, that the new batch of people come on the, on the marketplace, if you like, that you can get. And, and Sod's law will be that, it, you know, it's, it's March when you want them and they don't graduate till the, the July or the, or the June time. So there's a lack there that you have to appreciate that, which ultimately means often when the first person you're trying to hire it does take longer. It does take three to six months to get that that kind of, uh, what's the word? The moving parade of interest, it would be what it would be called. It's like a transitional period. And then all of a sudden you get the first one and the key is to always be recruiting after that. And I, I remember saying to you, this will never be as difficult ever again, that once we've got this first person in play, the game now is just to keep speaking, keep talking, always have a vacancy on your website, always be you know putting out feelers if you like, and not necessarily to replace that person, it's that if and when the day comes that they want to leave or the standards are not good enough, you've got a, a list of resumes on your desk of five or six people that you can pick up the phone and, and you're never ultimately in that, you know, in, in that situation again. Or you, you just want to add a second, um, you know, add a second person to it, to, to the team. And the other one, the other one is the patience thing that you, you know, I remember every month we would have a call and it was like, maybe I should go and do something else. I'm like, no, like stick to the plan like the plan was a good plan when we made it and it still is a good plan we just have to see it through because if not we'll create other issues elsewhere it'll get more complicated in your business and ultimately you were you were treating at the time so if you remember the situation you were treating at the time and the goal of replacing you with a pt was to allow you to do all these other things that you couldn't currently do and i'm trying to get across to you that if you go off and do all these other marketing things that you want to do well there's no real point because there's nobody to actually pick up the pieces of what marketing creates which is more patience yeah so we had to stick to the plan with, with you know what we were trying to uh, achieve ultimately and again huge lessons for people listening that just because it didn't come to fruition in the time frame that we wanted it to come to fruition doesn't mean it's a bad idea it doesn't mean it's the, the wrong thing it just means it might take another couple of months to, to to see through but then ultimately once we get the pt in play we're now freed up to go and do all of the things that you you know you're now currently doing which i'm sure that we're going to um speak about in in the next few minutes so talk to me about some challenges you you now and i remember again vividly you were like i just want out of patient care i want to run a business and you know i'm i'm growing a i'm growing a big business kind of scenario from the get-go what challenges have you run into as you look to be less involved with, um, with patients? Yeah. So that it's been an interesting past six, seven months. So me coming out of the treatment room definitely exposed a lot of holes and weaknesses in like my front desk and sort of in our process. So that was one huge thing. Um, you know, one thing I kind of realized, you know, there was, I have, I've always had like a really strong person and I had one that was, that was 
oh, it was pretty good, but not as strong as I needed her to be now that I had someone who wasn't me in the treatment room. So that was the biggest thing I realized. Like I was, because it was me and I was the owner and this is me, you know, I was probably doing a lot more selling than I needed to do in the treatment room of maybe skeptical clients and things like that. So I had to really tighten up our, some of our processes and really add some things into that sort of front end experience because, you know, I, I if I was going to sit there and try to expect a, any PT or especially like someone brand new out of school to like suddenly be able to do what I'm doing, you know, that I've been obsessing over and, and studying for the past, you know, three years, I, I think that would be kind of foolish of me. And it's just no, I don't think that's a great way to expect to scale my business if I'm looking for that every time. So people that are, are that are there probably owning their own businesses, you know? So I had to really, it really exposed a lot in processes. I've actually had a lot of staff turnover since I hired her. Almost my whole entire staff has turned over. And I think it's just because I wasn't seeing things I now see. So that's been, that's been quite a, a, an such, experience such a and a challenge. What you've just said there, we, we've got to speak about such a profound thing that, that and, and I'm going to go off on one a little here that, Ultimately, what happens when you do step back? You can remember this whole podcast series is about helping people understand what, what it's like to step back from patient care. And, and I'll tell you what it's like when you step back from patient care. You realize what the hell is going on in your business. Like that's, that's, what, that's what it's like when you step back from being in a treatment room staring at somebody's hamstring for 35 hours a week is you realize that the people that you think are rock stars are actually not rock stars. They're complete pain in the ass who have somehow been keeping your business afloat. But what they have been doing um, and or what they haven't been doing has ultimately been costing you an absolute fortune because you didn't realize it was going on. And you start to see things significantly more clear and significantly better. Um, you do you do actually have a bit too much time on your hands at first and you start spotting a few things that maybe you should let go, but you learn to do that with maturity as, as a business owner and you realize that you can't win all your fights. But at the same time, you do realize that there's a few cultural issues and a few people doing things that, that they shouldn't be or as is most often the case, not doing things that they should be that you thought they were. And ultimately that's been costing you a lot of money over the last few years while you've been looking at the hamstring and the ACL or the low back problem. So tell us about what, what did you find? Yeah, so definitely, so I kind of already spoke to the, just some front desk sort of processes and systems that I really needed to um, In terms of the people, what, what did you learn? We're not so from the people, yeah, from um, the people. basically- what, what problems did you find as you've stepped back? So I think what I found was there was a couple people that weren't really on board, you know, with all the core values and culturally and didn't really stand behind my vision like I thought they did because now before they, you know, they, they were happy kind of doing their own thing and didn't want anyone kind of in their business, if you will. Not that I am, but like now I'm like, I've got time, like I'm out there, I can do spotlight coaching, I, you know, and they didn't like it. And, you know, they were definitely going to be in the way of me being able to, to, to grow because they didn't really have my back. And I was spending a lot more energy trying to justify what I was doing and why, because I was, I was making some changes because I had to, and um, they didn't like it. And it's like a lot of pushback. And one, you know, we kind of came to an agreement that it wasn't the right fit anymore. And, and, and she left um, and on good terms, you know, and things like that. She just wasn't going to be able to grow with me the way I needed someone to grow with me. And then the other one kind of left toxically. And I think too, I just think it was all around. Suddenly I'm there 
and they didn't like me telling them what to do is kind of the, 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 the bottom of it. And, um, and it was, it was tough because then it's, you know, then you're shaking up things. We are a small team. So people are, they have gotten close and, and yeah, so that was, it was been fun. <laughs> Standards ultimately are what you, you yeah. and, and this is um, what I went through and realized was that the more time that I had to think about the business genuinely, and I, and I keep using the, you know, the phrase, instead of looking at a hamstring or a low back problem, when you're thinking about that type of thing all day, you, you genuinely can't think about your business. And ultimately what I realized when I stepped back was the standards needed to improve. I, I had good standards, but I realized that they were significantly, you know, there was a long way that we could have, or, 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 and, and always, by the way, can still add to your company standards. And it isn't a bad thing that, that you do get some staff turnover. I'd actually argue that anybody who hasn't had a little bit of, you know, you need to, to, to step up or ship out going on in their business for the last year or two isn't growing a business. It, it is literally just settling for, you know, the status quo of what they're getting because they've stopped learning themselves. They've stopped growing. Their ambitious is gone or they're just too weak to, to have that conversation and they don't want to call it tight for fear of having to, to kick somebody out the door and, and how they might ultimately be perceived because of that. But when you do step back, be prepared to, to find things that you might not like and even those one or two people that you think have been you know really good staff were good staff at the time but now your standards have improved and they may not be able to it's not even that they don't want to it's often that they just can't physically step up to the standards that you now demand for you know for the business as it goes from argument's sake half a million you know as it is it's cruising towards a million or whatever it is that your target is and, and that does require the, the the time to think like that and the strategic plan and understanding of what your goals are and your outcomes and so on for, for growing a business, which can only be done when you haven't got a caseload of 30 people a week, you know, waiting to see you. Yeah, that's exactly it. And the people coming in now, like, it's like the standards, I, I am, I'm more clear about them, you know, cause I'm not in the treatment room, you know, yeah. and they're coming in and, and they're set from the beginning rather than me trying to take someone who came in with one set where I had sort of one set of standards established. Now I'm trying to up level them and they don't want anything to do with it. So yeah, that's exactly kind of what happened. How have you had to develop your leadership style? So you, you know, originally you're a, a solo practitioner, then you're a manager of one person and now you're moving towards and an are almost in that seat of being a leader and CEO of a, you know, of a, of a company. How, how have you had to develop your uh, style or skills as a leader uh, of people? Oh, that's been fun. <laughs> so tell me, Oh, this is, that's probably been another thing that I've really been, it's been a real challenge, but I'm really thankful for the challenge and the experience because ultimately I'm becoming a much better leader and person patience has been the number one thing. Like, you know, like you, you kind of talked about it a little bit, like all those little things, it's so easy to go there and nitpick. And I definitely did that at first and you just can't do that. You know, you got to, you got to look at the big picture. So I've definitely shifted looking more at the big, big picture. I, I may, I, I would say I'm a perfectionist, but I've lost, I've, that's, I am like not nearly anything like that anymore. I'm, I'm more that big. I'm definitely focused more on big, big picture. And because of that, I'm, I'm let, like, I'm just like, let's just get it going. And I've, and I, I'm really in the last few months, I'd say in particularly, I've really shifted to um, just, just, you know, empowering my staff a lot more. I've always been that way, but really I've always kind of spoken in that way, but my actions didn't always reflect what I was maybe saying to them. Cause I, I, 
I'm not by my nature. I love to just empower people and really give them confidence. But then I think I would maybe hover a little more than I should have. And, and I'd, I'd get involved too much. And now I'm really like stepping back and I've let go. I had a lot of maybe not control because I needed to control but like just fear of like, Oh, what if I don't know that? But there are, there are systems now that I have no idea how to use them and yeah. I'm all right with that. I'm just, but I now I kind of, that took me a little bit to kind of grasp. And now they, I, I'm, I'm like, okay, document it so that if you leave, I can teach someone else type of thing. But that's been the biggest thing. And, and there was no way I could sit here. I can't grow and I can't do what I'm doing. If I have to know every little thing. So there's a lot now that, like that's this person's job and like it's more I've, I've created a lot of a lot of systems now that are more to try to help people stay accountable and kind of just report to me and I'm just kind of getting involved sort of at the beginning at the end and that's been a huge huge kind of shift and learning experience and definitely I do try to see myself more as a coach and I try to develop everybody yeah. you know both from their skills and performance but as people too and I tell them all that I'm like I want you guys to thrive as people and, and be, and become more skilled at what you're doing. Yeah. You need a certain level of trust in people. And, and um, again, the more that I have the privileged seat, if you like, of, of working with so many businesses and seeing inside of them. Um, that's one of the things that, that maybe I don't talk about as much as, as I should, because I certainly see that as the problem that the, the skepticism in people and, and employees is so bad that, that that really does rub off and i see a lot of people who just see their employees as yeah you know they're, they're polite and they're respectful to each other but there's nothing there other than just you know she works for me or or you know that that's an employee and, and they'll tell you that they really like them and that they care for them but i don't see them developing them as people that they don't you know they're not invested in in developing their confidence and helping them understand a little bit about life and the shit that it throws at you and, and trying to help them see that what what we're teaching them at work and through the day if you like of you know dealing with objections and challenges and just setting higher standards are actually going to set them in good stead for the rest of their life and ultimately their kids and their kids and so on so it's such an important point to to kind of consider as you are bringing more people in and you ultimately there's a there's you know every, every every man what's the phrase every man wakes up one fine day with a wife and kids or whatever right and it's like holy shit how did they get there and, it, and it's the same with staff it's like every man wakes up one day with a business it's like or every woman wakes up with a business like you've got all of these people around you like how the hell did all of these you know five six seven eight people get get here in the business and i, I generally think to be a leader of a company that that you want to own and is a pleasure to to have and, and to run you've got to love people and you've got to have that uh privilege position of being a boss much like being a father is that you're developing people and, and it's probably the most underestimated little or, or certainly you know it's never ever spoken about when it comes to being a boss that, that that is actually one of the best parts about it that much like with kids you know my kids are frustrating as hell sometimes but equally equally like you know the, the pleasure that they get and, and and they give me when I go home at night is is the same. It's like there's there's just nothing in the middle. It's equal. It's either unbelievable frustration or unbelievable pleasure. And and I often find that with staff that it's like you could bang your head against the wall sometimes. It's like how did you not see that? Like how how did you not get that? But you have to let let that go and actually see some of the amazing things that they do for you, which ultimately put you in a position to live the type of life that you want. But you're only going to get out of them. It's a cliche, but you're only going to get out of them. Um, ultimately what you what you put into them yeah 100 percent. 
So we're stepping back from patients. What, what are you down to now? How many hours a week? Um, I only see anywhere like two, maybe five patients two. a week. How have we got rid of people who just love Carrie? <laughs> so, and I mean um, that in the nicest possible. Yeah, way. no, no. Um, I'm going to chuck them over a ditch or anything like that for full context. I mean, help. <laughs> yeah, and the only the polite term no, is hand, handed them over. <laughs> well, um, we so basically, oh gosh, I'm trying to think how we did that. It, was, it wasn't nearly as difficult as I thought. Um, I think we did a couple co treats, and I I just kind of. We just, I just, I just told my PT, I just said, listen, I'm, I'm going to have you see Angelica now. Um, she's fabulous. She, you know, she's this and that. I think my clients really didn't have any trouble. And I think because they trust me yeah. and, and honestly, they love, they really love her. I think they love her more than me. And I'm, it was like, Oh, but it's all right. I like it. It's okay. Yeah. <laughs> they, they love her. And, uh, I kept a couple people honestly more cause I really, I've been seeing them for so, so long. I actually enjoy it. So it's fine, but they would see her at, in a heartbeat if I was like, Hey, I'm not here. Why don't you see Angelica? And then, um, you know, one thing I did do even before I, I always like knew this was going to be something I wanted to do. So I even a good year before I had a PT, I started talking that way. Like I was always, yeah. we are, you know, I didn't make it about me. So I think I had a little bit of an easier time transitioning because I, people would walk in, I think, and they'd almost be surprised to see it was just me or how small we were. And I remember that with interviews when I was interviewing for PT, like people thought I had lots of PTs working for me. So I think I positioned myself that way even before. And, um, I love it. That's yeah. Mar I mean, marketing right there. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. Never, and, never let the uh, the truth get in the way of a good story when it comes to marketing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and then, as far as um, patients coming on, we are still doing a lot of the we're we're doing the discovery sessions together. That is the hardest part I've found for me trying to get uh, my PT to be able to really grasp that, and I learned the hard way that I needed to keep doing them a little bit longer than I am. And sometimes we'll do some evals together if yeah. it's a, if it's a complicated case. Cause remember I, I, and I made this choice very consciously to hire a brand new grad. And I, so it does require more coaching and more training for me, but I'm okay with that. I made that decision on purpose. And, um, and then once that happens, they're fine. And I, it's just, and then I, we, I just position it that way. Like it is, it's marketing even internally. So we'll do the discovery. I just say, we're both here so that we both get to know your case so that you could see any one of us at any time you needed. And then usually at the end, I'm like, but you know, I think Angelica is going to be the best person to work with you. She's actually an expert in what you're here for. And she's seen a bunch of people. So I think, I think that's going to be a really good fit. I think, you know, and that's kind of how we do it. Um, and I, and she'll bring me in if she needs to, and nobody thinks otherwise, you know, so that's just kind of how we did it. I'd say I, I didn't really have that hard of a time. And, um, my whole staff is just, I've taught them all to just really, you know, talk her up and, and just say how wonderful she is. And no, no one's had a problem. Yeah. Dropping that ego is massive in, in, in any, um, professional practice, if you like, whether it's a lawyer, a dentist, a doctor, a PT, whoever the ego runs wild and it. And it's uh, a lot of people actually will never, ever stop the treating, even though they say they want to, because they are addicted to the, to the gratification that comes from the patients. So it's the constant lifelong struggle between, I want to let go and I want to go and do more things, but I love this absolute guaranteed rock solid 
you know guarantee of, of of a patient giving me compliments and saying good things about me that people get ultimately addicted to and i think that's the thing that you have to let go as i again look back at my journey from getting out of the treatment room i i just didn't give a like a rat i just didn't care that like you know that, that the patient didn't want to see me as much as it was i you know i loved the patients and and you know hopefully they're they're me my ego and, and kind of self-worth wasn't tied to to the the patients if you like it was always the growing and the pursuit of, of building a bigger business and i was very happy to big up vicky or anybody and i loved it when a when a patient come up to me and said oh i was in your place last week and jordan was amazing and, and you know rebecca on front desk was fabulous it's like oh great like that every time you don't talk about me and you talk about them my life gets easier and that's the way that i reconditioned myself to think that you know, I, I didn't want the patient's gratification because it just, if you think about it, the patient gratification actually keeps you stuck. So the very fact that I got a kick out of them talking about Vicky and, you know, whoever else, first of all, I was pleased for the, for the staff because it, it, you know, it made them feel really good when they had these things. But secondly, it was just a relief for me. It was like, great, like, you're not talking about me anymore. Cool. I can get on with this marketing stuff and figuring out Facebook and Google and all of these things that I was ultimately addicted to so i think that that's got to be a key factor in you know in anybody who's looking to step back is you've got to be prepared to big up as you say you know she's there's a new king on the on the throne right now and you know whoever that pt is that's the king of the castle and i remember the lines we used to use even uh, i think the phrase that we used to use was something like even paul's mom doesn't want to see paul paul anymore like <laughs> she wants to see, even paul's mother wants to see jordan the new physio you know paul's out the window he, he's you know he's old school this this new kid is amazing and you know he's the he's the guy when it comes to back pain and so on and uh we played all of those you know all of those little little games if you like that ultimately increased the perception of the person that that we were bringing in and and um right down to Paul searched England to, to find this guy and we're so lucky that, that we were able to get him and he agreed to come and work for us. He had the pick of the bunch and he had 27 different job offers and you know, Paul was so lucky that, that he, he chose us. Like literally, these are the things that we used, to, like, yeah. we, we used to go to for the purpose of making somebody feel comfortable and certain in seeing Jordan or Kevin or, or, or Johnny or whoever it was in, you know, in, or Robin right now in my office. So it's, um, that's, what you've, that's what you've got to do. So talk to me about your staff. Um, when you go through, through phases where you see one or two of your staff struggling, you know, business gets busy, it, it spikes couple of your staff members might not be able to keep up as well um but but you know that they're you know that they're your ear players they're, they're the people that are with you for life what have you done to help them up what have you done to, to pick them up when you see them struggling so um i mean just sometimes just talking to them and and you know letting them assure you know i have one one staff member you know she's my kind of grooming her to be my office manager and she she just wants to do such a good job and wants to do so well and do everything right that she'll get frustrated with herself when she can't do everything. So it's just as simple as, listen, it's okay. Like, um, you know, I'm not, they're just so, that's another thing back to staff. It's so humbling to see how good, how hard they want to work for you. And I, that's something that I kind of wasn't expecting, you know, it's just so it's endearing, you know, and, and just talking to them and having that open door policy and, and, and letting them know that they are doing a good job. And sometimes I have to, I have to sit them down and be like, all right, tell me everything that you've got on your plate and helping them just sort out the priorities. And then just simple things like that will make them feel so much better. And they learn from that as well as, so and they can start to do it. And then for my PT, that's been, that's been a lot of a different type of struggling because she, she um, needed a lot of confidence building at the beginning. And she still does because 
she had never worked in this environment and you know the she definitely had a little bit of um nervousness at the beginning like how that you know they pay 275 to see you how are they going to want to pay 275 to see me i'm brand new i don't know anything so a lot of coaching and mindset stuff around that and um that's probably been the biggest one and you know she you know and, and another thing i've kind of explaining them you know about i track numbers you know we track conversion rates and, and numbers and she has struggled just because we're building but i i kind of knew that yeah. so i have to just reassure like listen no it's okay like i planned for this you're, you're doing great like and i i have to just keep letting her know the, the minute you stop you know learning the minute you because everything i do coach her on she takes and implements and puts in it's just it's it has to go slow and just just reminding them and, and reassuring them that they are doing a good job, even if their numbers aren't perfect or they're not where they want to be. And um, a lot of coaching is like is really what it is. And, you are a coach. And, it's my yeah. <laughs> you know my my thing from you know mastermind. It's I'm obsessed with it. You're a coach. I, I'm a coach. I'm a full time coach. It's all I do. I coach my kids. I coach anyone around me, and I coach my staff. Like that. That's that's my job. Ultimately, they don't know it. By the way, that I'm that I'm you know constantly coaching. But every single conversation I have with them, member of staff, other than the you know what did you get up to at the weekend kind of conversations. Other than that. Like it's, it's just nonstop. Tell me more. How could you have improved that? Here's what I think, you know, what could you do next time? And, and so on and so forth that on its own, the conversation doesn't feel like you've made much progress. But when you look back at, you know, you, you can see Caitlin here in my office already, you, you know, she's been in since February and it's like, she's three months in. She's just a superstar already. You know, she's like, cause she's willing to learn. She's willing to grow occasionally. Yeah. There's a few, you know, things that don't quite, quite go right, but it's all right. Tell me what I need to do and, and how can I make that better? you know, for next time. And the, the key, the key thing that you've picked up on there that I, you know, as I look at, again at my story, it's, it's ultimately, um, reassurance that this business of yours has grown so fast and, and they're never going to keep up as fast as you. They can't. And that's the thing that you have to accept that, that really it's us that has to kind of move out of eighth gear and just get back to fifth, you know, cause that's, that's kind of where we lost them. And it's that reassurance because when the business has grown so fast and, and they genuinely want, and I've seen your staff, they love you to pieces and it's a credit to you that they want to help you so much. And when they feel like they can't, it, it just becomes like a, oh, the world's going to end kind of situation for them. And they just need to know and, um, you know, know that, that they're going to be all right. And I can, as I speak to you, think of a few staff that I've got like that, that, occasionally where you know the foot goes down a bit too fast and, and it's like oh shit like he or she's not not feeling too good right now because they, they're, they're not able to cope with their job and they'll they'll dress it up as they're a perfectionist and they want to do everything right and so on and so forth and it's actually nothing to do with that it's just they're petrified petrified they're vulnerable as shit and and just worried for their you know their future and maybe not being able to stay in the job that they love and and so on so for me it's always about um, something along the lines of if this fucks up, it's my fault. Like it literally you just walk in and it's like, if this is not going to plan, it's my fault. It's not you. It is me. And, and I start every, almost anything that's going wrong in my office with any member of staff that's struggling or just, you know, can't keep up or whatever. It's like, all right, this is my fault. Where did I get this wrong? Did I give you too much to do? Did I forget that I give you 19 different things to do yesterday? And, and, you know, I loaded another six on this morning, which is usually the case. So it's not that they're struggling with their job. It's that they're struggling to tell me to stop giving them shit to do. And, and that's the bit that you have to actually encourage them to, to almost kick your ass and give them permission 
to do that. Amy in, in my office, who I'm in contact with every day from a marketing, it's like, Amy, if I haven't done it, fucking tell me again. Tell me again. Ring me. Text me. And at first, it was like, well, I don't want to bother you. I'm like, that's your job. Like, that, that's your job to, to, to kick my ass and tell me that I'm giving you too many things to do because um, I forget that I've given you 19 things to do because I've got 17 other people in the office yeah. who I've given 19 things to do. Like, you help me out a little bit and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll give you that license to, to kind of kick my ass, which is ultimately what, um, what, I, pay, what yeah. I do as much as the Facebook ads and, and everything else. So this isn't a top-down kind of running of a business. It's actually... Uh, it's actually the complete other way around that um, you know, I'm, I'm looking to them to, to kind of keep me on track almost and it appears to work very well. Yeah, I, same, exactly the same thing in here because I, you know, that was kind of part of the problem with the, some of the other staff that ended up leaving is like they weren't able to do that and they did get overwhelmed and, you know, and it was a learning experience for me too and everybody that I've got now has really good about, we're all just much better at communicating and, and they tell me like, happened to me yesterday I was like oh do this like okay so I'm you know literally I've got okay well I've got about four things so which one sh should I focus on beautiful question I'm like oh okay just do this you know exactly. it's not that hard <laughs> that's when you know you've got that got good staff when they come to you with good questions you've given yeah. me all of these things which one do you not want me to do and that that's I've encouraged all of my staff to to get to that level of confidence with me and everybody in their life you've given me six things it's not happening which one do you you know which one do you not want me to do because um the, the 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 chances are them picking the one that you want them to do is slim that's a massive thing that I've um that I've learned. So what about rock stars? Have we had any pain in the ass rock stars? Yeah. I mean, didn't quite get to that. Um, but you know, they ended not, up leaving. Not complete assholes, just, just a bit of a pain they, in the ass. Yeah. They, they just one person really. And she, and you know, she left. Just again, it was like when I was, it was in during that transition of when I was in the treatment room, you know, I didn't have, I, you know, they were doing their thing. And I was like, in my mind, I'm like, all right, the clients are coming in, the revenue's coming in, must be going okay. Yeah. <laughs> and then yeah, I come out and then now I have the opportunity to see some things again that I want to optimize or that I want to improve some systems we want to change. I'm always looking to get a, I'm always looking to make things more efficient and make a better experience for the clients. And, you know, starting to come down, you know, the people that had the egos that thought they were, they were, you know, walk on water type of thing. Didn't, didn't appreciate it. And, and that's when that was the only, I've only really had that happen to me once and you know, didn't work out. I what, was it, what was it like when this person left? Um, it was difficult for me cause, um, they were, you know, this was one of my Pilates, my first Pilates instructor. And she, you know, she really did help me instrumentally to build what I have now, my Pilates program. So it's actually quite, a, quite painful to be honest, you know, yeah. because, you know, she was really in and I like, I was so thankful for her to have her be there. And, you know, she was like loving it and really, you know, would, would just, just seemed like it was okay to, you know, we'd be out at dinner or things like that and really, really helped a lot with the development and um, I really thought she was going to keep going that direction and, and kind of sort of help head my Pilates program that really does have a lot of room to grow until one day she didn't want to do that anymore. <laughs> and, yeah. and, you know, it was, it was, it was difficult for me. And you asked about leadership. It was a, it was a terrible moment, but a big growth moment for me at the same time, yeah. because, you know, there was a lot of kind of criticism, like, 
that I was too demanding or wanted all these things and, and, you know, working so hard could do that elsewhere and this and that. And I, and I did start to question my ability to lead. And I was like, am I really bad? Am I really what, what she says I am type of thing? So there was definitely like a big down at a, for a little bit. And then um, luckily I didn't stay there. And, you know, it, it, for, I did reflect, of course. And I definitely think there were, some, there are th- there were things I could improve. Everyone can, can always improve. I'm not a perfect person. And, and um, I've definitely done that. But I, most importantly, I... I didn't let that kind of, kind of, um, I didn't let that my self-worth, if you will, be determined by this one unhappy person. And like, I mean, this person probably just wanted a change and just didn't know how to communicate that, you know, and it could have been a lot of different things, but definitely that was probably my rock star because she was, she owned that piece of the business in a little bit, in in a way. And really had a lot of clients that loved her and things like that. And I was nervous. I definitely thought like everybody was going to leave, but nobody like two people left. So that was it. Yeah. I remember when um, I started, you know, the, the similar phase to you where you, you know, you start finding mentors and coaches and you take your classes and you buy your programs. And I went through a phase where I was relentless, like two years, I was on a flight every month to the U S and back and forth between London and Chicago or wherever. And I was buying a program every day, literally felt like, and, um, so I changed, you know, I changed my outlook very quickly. And I remember a, uh, an early member of staff actually saying that to me in, in a derogatory way. And it, it was certainly um, meant in a derogatory way. It was like, you know, you've, you've changed recently. And I, and I remember going, thanks. Like, <laughs> thanks, you know, like, thanks for pointing that out. And, and she didn't know what to do when I said it. And I, and I went, well, look, you've just actually given me a compliment. Like, exactly. I've changed. I've had to change like my point and, and what I'm trying to do with this business requires me to change because if I didn't change, this business wouldn't grow, which is a huge mindset shift when you understand what, what that really means is that as you do go on your entrepreneurial journey and you do start to go through the gears, if you like, of, of kind of making big decisions in your business, people will accuse you of changing. Friends will do it. Family will do it. And instead of defending it, I'm of the opinion that it's, it's a compliment that's what I have to do. And really what went on there with your situation with that, that PT was when you start to change and, and they'll accuse you of, you know, now it's all about the numbers and now it's all about systems and you're, you should actually be sat there going, yeah, like it is about the numbers and it is about the systems and it is about accountability because guess what? That's what you need to grow a fucking business. Like there isn't another way. So the very fact that most of the time when staff give you criticism, for the things that they don't like i'm encouraging you to see it as a a, a pat on the back that you're actually starting to run a business in the way that it it needs to be run to to be successful and to be long-term you know scalable and so on and really what what's happening you're changing they're not and let me ask you and anybody who's listening what do you want what do you know on earth that doesn't change or, or that doesn't survive the very fact that a human being tries not to change defies everything else on earth that that you know the, the typical person on the planet is miserable as shit and bored right now just a fact that 90 percent of people are living the most bored just horrific you know version of the of of, of life that that publicly they're not saying but internally it is very very true and part of that reason is because they are so resistant to change it's that you know that the, the kids arrive the marriage arrives the dogs arrive whatever on the car you know the cars arrive on the on the drive 
and that's it. It's like we've got it. You know, we're married. We're we're, we're all right, and let's just rock this out for the next fifty years. And obviously, two years later, board you know pretty much board shitless. So you will get that clash. And and as I think I said to you at the time, it's going to happen again, and it's going to happen again. But ultimately, what happened to you is is you had somebody who tellingly was with you at the start who has watched you evolve and develop and grow as a leader and, and ultimately change and that person hasn't and as i wrap that little segment up i have spoke to vicky many times um and, and as i was changing i used to communicate with her that i am changing and i i'd tell her and i'd be like i'm doing it for the business because that's what is required of me now. And I've always been blessed with, with people that, you know, not everybody, but, you know, certainly the people still in my life, the Vickies and the Amy's, they've watched me grow. Even Amy who has been with me four years in my media business. Like, gosh, you must have seen a change in me. Like there's, there's no tomorrow. You must have, and by the way, let's go back to even you. You must have watched me as a coach grow. Oh, yeah. My, my style and what I teach and how I teach and the certainty in which I teach it has all changed. And, and all that has happened is I've gone on my own journey that I have to evolve. It's like the evolution of Paul. It's the evolution of Carrie. It's the evolution of, of Jake Berman. It's the evolution of Nick Hunter and anybody else now a program that, that is evolving and growing and, and doing really well in their business. It doesn't make us bad people and it shouldn't make us question what we're doing. It, if anything, highlights that we're on the right, you know, we're on the right path. And as long as we're not disrespectful or arrogant and, you know, changing in a way that is uh, in a character way that, that, you know, it's all of a sudden about the flash watches and the, the Ferraris and all that shit, that that's that's a negative change but to change in a way that you know i found a better way to grow my business so that it benefits a crap load of people in in our town and, and i can actually keep people in employment i'm not too sure anybody should be chastised for for um for that yeah no definitely and so it it was a huge growth moment for me and and now i absolutely see things that way and it's it was good so tell me about, we work together in CEO. So you're part of the program that we work together where um, nine, I think, in your group, we sit around the table every three months. What's, um, what's the biggest lessons that you've learned there? Specifically, it could be about yourself or even just from working with the other businesses in the room. Well, so CEO has been awesome. And like, we've only had two meetings really. And like, even just from the first meeting, to the second meeting has just been so different. I honestly didn't know what to expect. And, and similarly back to when I, didn't think I, I could run a business by myself. I actually didn't think I like qualified for CEO. <laughs> yeah. And I, so I was a little bit nervous going in because I mean, I've got some pretty incredible business owners in my group and I, I definitely, some of those little confidence things popped up at first. Like, oh, am I, am I going to be able to keep up or, you know, they're going to look at me like, it, yeah. See, on a serious note, uh, you know, what did we, we got three groups. So we've got 27 people in that CEO program. I reckon I spoke to at least 20 at least 20 who ultimately their biggest reservation was, am I ready for this? And I was just like, for fuck's sake, like <laughs> stop beating yourself up before the games even started. Like get a bit of confidence for crying out loud. Like, of course you're ready for the bloody thing. You're <laughs> however much half a million and you, you know, staff are all over the place and you're trying to get from wherever you are to wherever you want to get to. And you've been trying on your own for three years. Some kind of tells me that you're ready to, to kind of do something a little bit different. But ultimately, that's the, the false belief that we all live with, that, that I never, ever feel ready. And, and um, uh, one of the greatest things that you can do is, is anoint yourself. It was something I, I, I was taught by one of my uncles. It was like, nobody's going to fucking crown you. Like, the thing that you're waiting for, it's like, anoint yourself. 
don't vote for the government fucking vote for yourself like that that's the, the greatest single piece of advice that that give me this the, the, the belief that i've ever uh, or i've certainly got in myself today is just don't wait for people to anoint you like you decide when you're ready to do these fucking you know th these types of programs or step up to this type of level yeah so what, no. have, what, what have you got what have you got from it what have you learned to pass on some lessons so i mean gosh just from like doing the the prep work really just just having sort of a structure to go back through the your quarter and now i use that kind of similar structure to go back through the month and just 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 how to look at things and and just that prep work also exposed holes and things that i wasn't looking at so now i'm like really know what i need to be looking at and focusing at every day every week every month and things like that and then the other big thing that i'd say it's allowed me to do you know, I, I've always been a, a visionary person. I've got all these ideas and, and I always want to do all these things. That's just, that's just how I am. Um, kind of the opposite of like that numbers analytical person. Yeah. So for me, it's really, really helped to balance that out because I still have all my great ideas, but it, it's just given me so much more focus on, it allows me to really learn how to see what is the biggest thing I need there to focus go. on. There and then go. I can have a plan and then go to the next step. So it's, it's probably slowed me down in many ways, but allowed me to go faster. There you go. I mean, that, that is the, the getting rich is boring. And I, and I keep saying it, getting rich, building a business is boring, really. You know, it shouldn't be dramas and there shouldn't be all that much excitement. It's, it's just churning away day after day after day. And it's ultimately the fulfillment that, that we chase as business owners. I don't chase excitement and I don't chase the highs, certainly don't chase the lows, but it's the fulfillment of seeing how far that you've come. And you can only come so far by ultimately having a plan that you stick to and, and you're dead right with it at that level that you, you know, you're at now. There's no shortage of ideas. People, you know, people say to me, oh, that's a good idea. And I'm like, yeah, whatever. But that's not the best thing that I can do for you because for you, it's ultimately, you know, the, the, people listening, whoever listens to this podcast right now will switch it off and put like another three podcasts on and listen to six more million ideas, right? That's really not what, what is going to move the needle, if you like, from a... Uh, how do I get rich or, or successful in business or, you know, grow the business of my dreams? It's ultimately, can I create a plan that prioritizes the one or two, three things that predicates, predicates that as me actually knowing what the one or two, three priorities are in my business that most people don't and then actually executing on it and, and somebody holding me accountable to it, you know, in the time frame that I said I would ultimately get it done. And, and that's, the, the the type of thing that goes on at the top level that you know for people who say am i ready for that it's like well are you ready to start prioritizing are you ready to start planning and are you ready to start executing because ultimately that's what ceos do yeah absolutely how has it helped you other than that other other than than kind of being around smart businesses what else are you getting um well definitely Going in there, because, you know, as I mentioned, I was, I was, I didn't know what to expect. I was a little bit nervous. I didn't know where I stood, if you will. And it's been kind of comforting to see just all the same problems in everyone's yes, business, regardless of how big or small. And yep. like, there's some things that people probably are kind of envious of me and there's things, you know, and, and not that it's envy in a bad way, but it's like, gosh, I wish I was in that position. And, you know, gosh, you're having the same problem and you're 10 times bigger, that type of thing. So that's been good. And then just having that that close group of people that, I mean, really understand your business and what you're going through because of the time we spend together and that we share. So it's awesome. You know, cause sometimes I have just real specific questions and I know that my CEO group is going to really be able to 
give me advice and answer them knowing me rather than, you know, some like a, like a, a bigger group that they don't always know. And they're just yeah. kind of shouting the advice and not that that's bad either, but when it comes to kind of these bigger decisions, it's so nice to have that small group because you've just shared everything and you really, they really know yeah. you. And, that, and that's a key point that, um, again, this, you know, this series is about exposing what, what it's like being a CEO of a company. And, and um, I have certainly learned that my job becomes more about making one big decision or, you know, it could be a month or every two weeks or whatever it will be. Whereas in the beginning of time, it was about a lot of small things, just, just all collective, you know, collectively working together. And there comes a point where you, you stop having to be tactical and you stop doing little whiz bang ideas and three emails here and six emails there. And it's like, there's a bigger, you know, in, in CEO, we're talking about some, sometimes decisions that we're making today that are not going to affect the company for six months out. But when, and I think I said that to somebody at the last event that, that really the goal that I want for for people coming to ceo is that we sit down in in july and, and we're talking about what you're going to do in december which that sounds boring as hell and to some people they just won't even understand why that's so profound and powerful because they're today getting slapped in the face with another drama that their actual business decisions are just balancing the equilibrium does that make sense yeah that, that you're always if you're not careful fighting today's fire, you're always dealing with the, you know, the cash flow issue of this week, or you're always dealing with this staff person quitting or something that is just, just a high drama activity. And really what we want to be at the CEO level is coming in, in, in you know, to a meeting in July, uh, when we're meeting again in, our, in, in July, our, our group, is for somebody to sit down and start to say, all right, you know, things are great at the ranch. Now I'm starting to look at who I need next in my team. Help me understand where my next hire is. Is it a front desk person? Do I need to go for a PT? What do I do with this money in the bank? How do I get the best out of it? Can I, you know, should I invest in a staff person? Should I spend more on marketing? I'm thinking of doing this in November. What do you think, Carrie? Do you think it's a good idea? When you start to have those types of conversations, it is stunning what happens to the growth of your, your you know, genuine growth of your business and, and how you feel about running your business. And that, that's, that's the, 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 the nirvana to, to be in. You know, we're, we're checking the boxes of what's going on today, but at the CEO level, it's what does the next three to six months look like? Because, you know, I've got these people in play now or I'm, I'm starting to get these people in play that can uh, take care of the, the, you know, the day-to-day things for me. And um, that's the, the, the thing that I, I promise you and I swear I wish people would, would just experience what it feels like to sit in a chair and just forecast out decisions that, that are coming down the line rather than getting slapped in the face with them today. And, and every question that is being asked is actually just how do I deal with this drama, not how do I grow this business? Yeah, it's so freeing because it allows you to deal, deal with those dramas because you don't really deal with them because you're, fo- you're too busy focused on on the big picture and then and the, the plan and like yeah the drama will come but it just doesn't affect you because you know it's just a small little blip in yeah. the in the big journey you know turbulence as i like to call yeah, it yeah turbulence yeah <laughs> just a bit of turbulence it'll go people it happens all the time paul what do i do oh just time to piss off just let it go who gives a crap just it'll go give it tomorrow and they'll be whinging about something else and it's kind of like that's again the mindset that you have to have the aerial view of your business needs to be from forty-five thousand feet now sure you need to dig in and you need to get on the ground floor and you know you've got to do what needs to be done and and i'll do that with the best of them but i also know if i get involved and i dig in too much and i am constantly on the ground floor and i'm constantly involved in the you know the day-to-day stuff paul's businesses don't grow it's as simple as that there's a direct correlation between the 
time that I spend aerially looking at the business and staring at organizational charts and looking at my team and thinking, yeah, you know, am I getting the best out of you? Can I get another 10% out of Sophie? How do I get another 15% out of Vicky? How do I get that person to achieve these standards that, that they currently just don't know how to do on their own or, or, or couldn't do if they weren't in this type of environment? How do I improve the culture? Those are the things that ultimately your businesses uh, are dependent or, or those are the things that ultimately set your business up for long-term growth and, and you know constant profits not just a good week or a good month yeah absolutely so final question and I'll let you go knowing what you know right now about business what would you do sooner hmm so knowing what i know now um i i think i would have maybe done a lot more of this groundwork when I had the time, you know, um, when I was solo and kind of running around and God, if, if I, if I had only had this big picture mindset and knowing how important my numbers were and things like that, if I had known all that when I started, I mean, I think I would have definitely done that. Yeah. And I didn't really do that until about two years in and I was like, Oh crap. I, I, I like, there's a lot. I don't know. I need to start doing all this stuff and it gets harder when you're busier and, uh, I'd say that would be the biggest thing. So if I had that, if I just had that, that sort of long vision, who knows what would have happened. Yeah. What's the phrase? A lot of people start doing things um, when, they're, when they're big that they should have done to get big quicker. Yeah. It's, it's along those lines that the fallacy is, you know, when I get big, then I'll do all of these things. And the reality is you do them to, to get big faster. Huge yeah. again, the mindset shift. Carrie, you've been brilliant. Thank you. Where can people find you? Can they check out a website or I know you've got a lot going on on social. How can they uh, yeah. check a bit more out about what you're up to? So our website is cjphysicaltherapy.com and uh, you can check us out on Facebook, CJ Physical Therapy and Instagram is also CJ Physical Therapy. That's kind of where we live. So Amazing. Yeah. thank you for your, uh, for your time. You've been great. I'm sure people are going to love this interview and expect one or two people to get in touch. I've uh, no doubt your website will probably uh, spike for a few weeks when this <laughs> podcast comes out but yeah you're a credit to our community most definitely to yourself and uh i think just generally to um to people looking to aspire to 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 not only make money out of business and this is what hopefully people will always take from me this isn't just about making money because it's easy um the, the the real game is can you make money and enjoy it and, and what i know about you carry over three years of, of working with you even through the laws, I'm yet to see you without a smile on your face. And that, is something <laughs> that you should never, ever, ever underestimate how powerful that is, that you're enjoying the journey, you're developing and you're growing. And I think you're an absolute credit to yourself and uh, everybody who is aspiring to run a business needs to, um, needs to pay a, a little bit more attention to what you're up to and, and ultimately how you go about your day and, and build your business. So well done. Thank you. I do love Pleasure. it. Pleasure. Pleasure. Thanks for your time and um, see you soon. All right. Thanks. Thank you for listening to Paul Goff's audio experience. If you're brand new to Paul's world, head on over to paulsmarketingbook.com where you can get started with his number one best-selling marketing book for physical therapists. Or if you've been listening to the show for a while, you like what you hear and you think that you could benefit from this type of help to accelerate the growth and profitability of your practice, reach out to Paul's team at paul at paulgoff.com and tell us exactly what you're looking for. And by the way, if you know someone who would benefit from today's show, please share it with them. And if you've got any questions that you want answered, tweet Paul at the Paul Goff using the hashtag AskPG. You can also find all of these details over in today's show notes. All right, until next time, have a wonderful day.